0: All right, we're going to go ahead and get into the message. Strength to Strength. I think this is part nine. Strength to Strength, part nine. And the subtitle is Open Wide to Mission. Open Wide to Mission. I want us to go to a verse just right off the bat. Psalm 81, verse 10. Psalm 81, verse 10. So go ahead and open up your Bibles with me. Psalm 81, verse 10. Psalm is right in the, the middle of the scriptures. So if you just kind of crack your Bible halfway open... Or if you've got it on your phone, you can look up Psalm. It starts with a P-S-A-L-M. All right. Psalm chapter 81, verse 10. And when you're there, go ahead and say, I am there. I am there. Nice. With the inflectuation and everything. Okay. Cool. Psalm 81, verse 10. The Bible says this. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Open your mouth how much? Wide, and I will do what? Fill it. I will fill it. I love it. It's a promise from the God who brought us up out of Egypt. In the context, God is reminding his people hey, look, I did this for you in the past. Don't you think I can do much for you in the present? Right? And I love it. It's just uh, so uh, almost um, blank check-like, right? It's open your mouth wide. What what do you mean, open my mouth? Um, Open my mouth for food. Open my pocket for finances. Open my heart for direction. What, What can I open my... I believe God is inviting us to open our lives wide to him. And he will give us exactly what we need. It's a blessing. It's a, it's a promise that we will be filled. And I would say not just filled for our personal sense of my own satisfaction, but I would say filled for the sake of someone else's salvation. When God wants to bless, he blesses so that we can be a blessing. Have you noticed that? Yeah. When he blesses you, it's intended not just for one heart, but for many. He blesses so that we can be a blessing. And that's what we're going to look at uh, today and the next few weeks. You know, we've been looking at what it means to seek God, share life, and serve the world in a way that's strength to strength, in a way that's not stagnant, in a way that's constantly growing. Seeking God, that's what we did in January into February. Sharing life, we looked at dynamics of community. But do you realize that there's a third dynamic of following Jesus? of going on in a strength-to-strength journey that isn't just about connecting with God and connecting with a tight-knit family, a tight-knit community. There's also a dynamic of seeking to serve, being sent on mission. You see, Jesus invites the, the disciples in the Gospels. He says, follow me and I will what? Does anybody remember? I will make you fishers of men. You see, followers are also fishers. We're not just invited to come to Jesus and connect with community. We're also invited to be commissioned for a grand purpose, a kingdom purpose. And I believe that the strength to strength journey is not just about receiving what I get, but it's also about reflecting and giving and going on mission for Jesus. And so for the next few weeks, we're going to kind of turn a corner. We've been focusing on seeking God. What are the habits of seeking God? We've focused on sharing life. What are the habits for community life? And now we're going to look at, for the next few weeks, serving the world. What are the habits that make for serving the world? And I would just, right right from the very beginning, the first habit is opening up our life wide for mission so that God can fill us with with a... Personalized sense of mission. We're gonna we're gonna look at a a, uh, a story together in Acts chapter eight. So go ahead and start looking for the book of Acts, and we're gonna study a time when um, the early church they had been experiencing so much forward momentum. But by the time you get to Acts chapter eight, it's almost as if that forward momentum is being threatened. It's as if that forward momentum is is uh, there, there's a danger that it can be stalled. And in Acts chapter eight, it was. It was people stepping up to the mission of the church that made the church keep going forward even in spite of that threat. Um, and it wasn't, just, it wasn't just the specialized clergy. It was actually, it, well, I, I'll kinda, I'm kind of giving it away right now. But the point is this, that people didn't settle for membership. They strove for mission partnership. Mm-hmm. You, you hear the difference there? When we're making disciples, we're not just making members. We're making mission partners. I heard a song by a group called Take Six a long time ago. I don't know if you've ever heard of Take Six, yeah? Anyways, the song title is really awkward, really long. It says, Welcome to the Best Stuff in the World Today Cafe. Have you you ever heard that? Welcome to the Best Stuff in the World Today Cafe. If I don't... Anyways, it was a really fun song. Welcome to the Best Stuff in the World Today Cafe. Anyways, uh, we've been invited to the restaurant, but now we're servers at the restaurant. That's kind of the, the story of the song. It's kind of cool. Anyways, so when we when we talk about strength to strength journey it's not about um, becoming a member only and settling for that it's about becoming a mission partner and so if you're there in Acts chapter 8 go ahead and say I beat you, I beat you. all right <laughs> Acts chapter 8 that's where we're going actually let me just with a finger in Acts chapter 8 turn to Acts chapter 1 and I'll say I beat you all right uh, so keep a finger in Acts chapter 8 let me just points you to Acts chapter 1. There's a verse here in verse 8. It's kind of the table of contents to the whole book of Acts. I don't know if you realize this. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. I'm reading from the New King James Version. My Bible is a red-letter Bible. So this is Jesus, the resurrected Christ, speaking to his disciples right before he ascends, does his Superman move um, off and away to the clouds. He says this, But you shall receive what? Power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be what witnesses Witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. That's awesome. Right. God is giving us an identity. You're not just followers. You're not just people who have walked with me for three and a half years. You know, you are witnesses. And by what power? It's not by your charisma. It's not by your great eloquence that you've been training for, whatever. No, it's by the power of Christ in me, the hope of glory, the Holy Spirit, right? Now, notice at the very end of that verse, it says the locations to which Jesus is sending them as witnesses. It says, in Jerusalem, which is right where they were. They were in Jerusalem for the, uh, they were in the upper room, all those kinds of things. And in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. What Jesus is saying is you're going to be on mission In ever widening circles. You're going to start right where you are, start with the the mission that's closest to you, very practical principles here, and God will send you in ever widening circles. And the entire book of Acts, if you've ever read it, all 28 chapters, follows this like a script. It shows how the disciples were witnesses in Jerusalem, and then beyond that into Samaria. (laughs) And then by the end of the book, Paul is off to Asia Minor, Rome, all these... Camp- the ends of the earth. Do you follow that? Yes or no? Yeah? Acts chapter 1 verse 8 is the table of contents. So now, let's go to Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8. Jesus already told them, you're going to start in Jerusalem, and you're going to go into ever-widening circles. But in Acts chapter 8, living it in real time, the apostles were, were actually staying put in Jerusalem. It says this in Acts chapter 8. Verse 1, the Bible says, now Saul was consenting to his death. That's speaking about Stephen, the martyr, the first Christian martyr in Acts chapter 7. At that time a great persecution arose against the church, which was at Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of where? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so you, you see the connection between Acts 1-8 and Acts 8-1. Kind of a, a flip-flop, right? It says, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except who? Who wasn't scattered? Anybody catch it? Except the the apostles. Okay. Now notice what happens. Verse 2, and devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. Verse 3, as for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering every house and dragging off men and women, committing them to prison. Man, this is a tough time for the early church. They were growing by leaps and bounds, thousands added to the church. And it even says that people were added to the church daily, such as should be safe. So much momentum. And all of that was happening right at the hub of, of, you know, the crucifixion, the resurrection, right there in Jerusalem. It was awesome. It was powerful. But then there's this dark chapter. Man, Saul is creating havoc in the church. People are being scattered except the apostles. Now notice in verse 4, the bright spot. Therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere doing what? Preaching Preaching. the word. Question, who was scattered? Was it the apostles that were scattered? It was everyone else. The non-specialized, right? The the laymen, the the laywomen, the the non-clergy. They were scattered. And what was their activity as they were scattered? Scattered. They were preaching the word, proclaiming the word. I love it. I love it. It's a picture of the work that is being carried forward by ordinary people. It's a picture of the work uh, of the, the being forward, not being carried forward not by the hired clergy. You see, the believers, again, they didn't settle for mere membership, but they strove for a mission partnership. Even under duress, even in times of crisis and in times of persecution, they thought, you know what, this message of the kingdom needs to be shared. And if the apostles are in Jerusalem and I'm over here, I'm not going to wait for the apostles to share it over here. I'm going to share it right where I am. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. And so Philip was one of those who was actually scattered. It says here in Acts chapter 8 verse 5, you'll see it. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. And the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits, crying with a loud voice, came out of many who were possessed and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. And there was great joy in that city. So this is a man. His name is Philip. Uh, The first time you see him in the book of Acts, he's actually in Acts chapter 6, where there were seven deacons uh, that were appointed to to share bread with, with the people. And distribute the bread for those who had need. What happens here is that as persecution hits, and and as the church is kind of clustered in Jerusalem, persecution hits, people are scattered, and the gospel ends up going where people go. Philip is one of those. He actually preaches in, did you notice where he was? In the city of, of Samaria, right? Now, if you know anything about Jewish culture back then, this was not necessarily like their favorite people. These were not their BFFs, right? This is, this is a situation where Philip was going into a town that many would have ignored. And I think that's why Jesus, in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, the, the table of contents, he says, Go Jerusalem, then Judea, and Samaria, because Judea is a region, Samaria is a city. Judea, make sure to hit Samaria, like, don't overlook them, and to the utter ends of the earth. It's really interesting. Acts chapter one verse, uh, sorry chapters chapters one through seven, it's all the mission in Jerusalem. They were getting big, they were getting clustered, and had not persecution hit, they would not have pff, actually fulfilled the rest of the table of contents. It's actually really powerful, and Philip is one of the go- those guys who steps up. He didn't need a, a title, he didn't need a um, a nominating committee to tell him to go. He just went because he had a heart for mission. He had a heart for mission. And so here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a look at the rest of this chapter, at least Philip's experience in the rest of this chapter. Because I believe Philip exemplifies what it is to live wide open to the mission that God has for us. Okay, So we're going to look at at Philip's life. We're going to find five avenues of openness. And I love this story. This is probably one of my favorite stories in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 8, look a little bit later in verse 26. We're going to go down to Acts chapter 8, verse 26. Philip has been preaching in Samaria. My mic's a little bit, it's ringing a little bit. Go ahead and turn that down just a little bit. Thank you. Acts chapter 8, verse 26. The Bible says this Now, an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise, go toward the south along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. So he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all her treasury, had come to Jerusalem to worship, was returning. And sitting in his chariot, he was reading Isaiah the prophet. Then the spirit said to Philip, Go near and overtake this chariot. All right, a couple of cool things here. Just first of all, this Ethiopian guy must be super important. He's got charge of all the treasury of Candace, the queen of Ethiopia. All right. So he's got a lot of trust, a lot of responsibility. And yet, where was he traveling to? And where was he traveling from? Did you guys catch it? He was traveling back home, but where had he been? He had been in Jerusalem for what purpose? To worship. To worship. Who do you worship in Jerusalem? Jerusalem. The God of heaven, right? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Apparently, this Ethiopian eunuch, a man of influence, a man of responsibility, a man who is foreign, had some knowledge of the true God. And here he is on his way back home. But what do you notice about Philip? What are some observations, just as you look at those three, four verses that we just read? What are some things that stand out to you about Philip? He listened to the spirit, right? I I would say this. He was actually spoken to by the spirit and he listened to the spirit. This is really cool. I don't, man, I don't know if I write this way in my daily journal. The angel of the Lord spoke to me. (laughs) You know, (laughs) this is, this is a special thing. Verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying some very specific things, right? And then uh, let's see here. Wheres it in verse twenty nine then the spirit said to Philip, "Go near and overtake this chair here's one the first level of openness that Philip demonstrates is that he has an open connection with God he has an open connection with God. you see that right there the spirit was speaking to him, he was listening and he was responsive in other words, the Phil, uh, Philip's experience prior to this I mean this was this was not probably the first time that the Holy Spirit spoke to Philip. In other words, I would say that Philip was someone who cultivated a habit of listening to God. Philip was someone who, when he heard something in his heart and mind, he was able to distinguish, this is not just last night's pizza talking to me, right? (laughs) He was able to say, this is the Holy Spirit giving me some very, very specific directions. He would cultivated an ear to hear from God. Uh, there's a really neat verse in Isaiah chapter 50, verse 4. Can we look that up really quick? Hold a finger in Acts chapter 8. We're going to do a lot of page turning here just at the very onset, but then most of the time we'll spend in Acts chapter 8. Isaiah chapter 50, verse 4 is, is a verse that um, that for me is, is a daily inspiration. <laughs> Isaiah chapter 50, verse 4. If you're there, go ahead and say amen. Amen. All right, this is actually a messianic prophecy. In other words, it's a verse, it's a scripture that's describing what Jesus' ministry would look like. It says this in Isaiah 50, verse 4, The Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned, that I should know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary. Have you ever wondered, how did Jesus know how to say that? You know, how did Jesus know exactly what to say to the rich young ruler when he was saying, you know... Uh, I really want eternal life. How did Jesus know to say exactly what he said to the Samaritan woman at the well? How did he know what to say to Nicodemus? This is it. The Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned. Jesus had an instructed tongue. It wasn't just his good ideas. He was being taught by God in the moment, day by day. How did he get this? The rest of verse four says this. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear as the learned. You hear it? It's a description of Jesus' devotional life. That morning by morning, without an alarm clock, without an eye watch or whatever to wake him up and say it was time to stand up or time to get up. No, Jesus had the prompting of the Holy Spirit that morning by morning, he was woken up by his Father. Come away, spend some time with me. Let me share this with you. Let me talk to you about this. And I believe that Philip was simply following in the footsteps of his master, That Philip was someone who morning by morning, God would instruct him and teach him in the way that he should go. In Isaiah chapter 30, verse 21, there's a really awesome promise. Whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, This is the way. Walk in it. And that's a promise from God to each and every one of us. And the question that I have is, do we expect God to give us instruction? Do we expect God to actually speak to us? Do we expect the Holy Spirit to say, go overtake that chariot right now, (laughs) right? I believe Philip did. Philip had that expectation. Why? Because he was familiar with listening to God on the day-by-day level. Anyway, so here we are, open connection with God. What else did Philip demonstrate in terms of openness to mission? He had an open connection with God, and I would also say this. Secondly, he had open time for God. He had open time for God. So he had an open connection, listening, but he also had open time. In other words, he was available. When God spoke, he would go. <laughs> like Isaiah chapter 6, verse 8, when, when the Lord says, who shall go for us? Isaiah says, here I am, send me, pick me. He's not like running in the corner. He's not looking past his shoulder. You talking to him? Yeah. <laughs> and I think Philip was someone just like that. He had open time for God. Notice again, um, in Acts chapter 8, I'm looking at verse 27, looking at verse 27, after the, the angel Lord says, "Arise, go toward the south along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza." In verse 27, Acts chapter 8 verse 27 says, "So he arose and went." When the Holy Spirit said, "Hey, I know you've got uh, different things on your calendar today, but there's a road that I want you to go down." Just go down it. It's a desert road. It's probably not on your way to work. But just go down this road. And what did Philip say? Oh, man, you have no idea what the traffic is going to be. You know? No, he didn't do that. He went. Look at verse 30. Uh, sorry, after, in verse 29. Then the Spirit said to Philip, Go near and overtake this chariot. I mean, imagine the internal dialogue that you and I would have. Come on. There's someone in the chariot, Lord. You know? <laughs> You're walking past your neighbor. The garage is open. Man, should I ignore them? What should I do? <laughs> no. Philip demonstrated an availability to God. When the Holy Spirit prompted, there was no hesitation. Instead, there was an eagerness, an enthusiasm to say, okay, I'll go. Notice how verse 30 says, so Philip ran to him. He didn't waste any time. He didn't saunter on over. He didn't like kick rocks and say, okay, uh, should I go? Should I not? Should I go? Should I not? You know, he's not, he's not weighing this out. He just goes. When the Holy Spirit prompts, he has time for the Spirit. Uh, for those of you who grew up in a Pathfinder club, there is, you know, part of the, the law was, uh, I will keep a song in my heart and go <laughs> on God's errands. Right? This is Philip. He's a good Pathfinder. Yeah? <laughs> Philip demonstrated. He said, you know what? I may have other things to do, but when the Holy Spirit says this, I've got time. I've got time. I'm going to be flexible with this. And some of us, we ask ourselves, man, how could Philip be so eager just to go where he didn't know, you know, what the end result was going to be? How could he do this? How how could he just uh, respond so readily and not give a whole bunch of excuses to God? I would say this, that Philip, because of his open connection with Jesus, I think he had a confidence and an awareness of supernatural activity around him. It was the angel of the Lord that spoke to him, right? I think Philip also just kind of had this awareness. You know what? I have the ministry of angels, which means I'm never alone. I don't have to be afraid. Uh, we're never outnumbered when we have the angels of the Lord with us. Do you realize that? Mm-hmm. You know, later on, some of us may have the courage to actually go up to a door. And we may be, feel like, man, I have no idea who's making the music, who's making the noise back there, right? But... I'm not outnumbered because I am with the Lord of Angel Armies right now. <clears throat> I think Philip also had confidence in the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And we don't have to wonder, friends. We don't have to wonder if God wants to give us the Holy Spirit. I don't know if you've ever looked at these stories in the book of Acts and said, Man, that is so not me. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever looked at the story of Peter preaching to the 3,000 and say, Man, that is so not me. Yes, it is not you, but you are filled with the Holy Spirit when you've asked. Do you, do you believe that? I mean, that's something that Philip had. He had confidence. He said, you know what? I have the ministry of angels. I have the ministry of the Holy Spirit. There's something powerful to know that the universe of heaven is actually on your side. It's a really awesome quote I came across in this book called Evangelism. 127, 128. It says, there is far more being done by the universe of heaven than we have any idea of. Okay, so the universe of heaven. There's a lot of activity going on. Maybe there's mansions being built. Maybe there's parties going on because people are repenting. No, no. but specifically, what kind of activity? There is far more being done in the universe of, by the universe of heaven than we have any idea of. In what line? In preparing the way so that souls shall be converted. Yes, right. If you've ever wondered, man, I could never talk to this person. <laughs> I could never overtake this chariot. I could never go on God's mission. Wait a minute. God has been doing so much beforehand to prepare the way. This is a beautiful quote that was just brought to our attention in our, uh, the first session of our training on Thursday night. It says, The same divine mind that is working upon the things of nature is speaking to the hearts of men. Oh, man, hold on, hold on, hold on. (laughs) The same God who created the things of of nature, the same God who sustains all these things every day by the power of His Word, is also doing what? Speaking to the hearts of men and creating an inexpressible craving for something they have not. (laughs) What is that craving for? Through influences seen and unseen, our Savior is constantly at work to attract the minds of men from the unsatisfying pleasures of sin to the infinite blessings that, they, that may be theirs in Him. You see, there are people all around us who have this craving, but it's inexpressible. There aren't words for it. In another place, she says, it's a nameless longing. There's this longing that they, they just can not even put a name on it. But Jesus knows what that, that longing is. <laughs> It's for the blessings that are found in Christ alone. The universe of heaven is doing far more than we could possibly imagine. And I believe Philip was fully aware of that. Okay, the Holy Spirit's telling me to go to this chariot. God must be up to something. I may have other things on my agenda, but boy, this is going to be fun. Okay. In other words, Philip had this sense. That God had something better for him. So open connection with God, open availability, or open time to God. There was a time, actually, just a couple of weeks ago, I was, I was late. I was supposed to be bringing, getting ready for our Tuesday night youth Bible study. And so I wanted to pick up some snacks, some food, and I actually decided to go to Papa Murphy's, uh, take and bake, I don't know if you've ever, anyways. Um, so <clears throat> went to Papa Murphy's, ordered a couple of pizzas. The guys are like, what, Pizzas? This is one of the weeks that you actually missed, sorry. (laughs) Anyway, but uh, I went to Papa Murphy's, got the order wrong. I got home, and and, like I noticed, wait, one pizza was right, the other pizza was wrong. I called them up, said, "Uh, what can we do about this? This this is not the first time that this has happened at that particular Papa Murphy's, I, I have to admit. Anyway, so I was kind of upset, but I still had a little bit of time. Had to go back to the store itself. And um, by that time, it, it had gone from that window of just before work to now everybody's like, getting home from work. And there's like a six person line at Papa Murphy's for, uh, for walk-in orders. Anyways, so I'm waiting there, I'm waiting there. She knows that I'm, I'm there to pick up a, a different kind of pizza. And it just so happens that um, they get the order wrong again. Oh man, it was terrible. <laughs> so when I got to the front of the line, they're like, oh man, this is not right. Can you just wait a little bit? And so I waited another 10 minutes. And it was interesting because the cashier was talking to the pizza makers over here and saying, Vegetarian, no cheese, whatever, you know. I kind of said it out loud so that everybody else in the, in the Papa Murphy's was like, Vegetarian, no cheese. <laughs> the guy behind me, the guy behind me, he, he, like, he came up to the register and was like, So what did you make? Uh, you know, just to see if he could take it home because Papa Murphy's isn't going to do what the pizza is. And she was like, it's vegetarian. But anyway, so (laughs) it was kind of funny. Uh, But I sat here on the bench now really, really self-conscious. And there's a lady who turns to me and and almost as loud as the cashier. So vegetarian, huh? She she asks, like, what's that all about? And asks even if it's for religious purposes and stuff. And by this time, I'm so, like, antsy. And I need to get somewhere else. But I'm kind of like, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just, I feel like it's healthier. Like, I didn't have a good, I didn't even smile, I don't think. It was tough. And um, anyways, the lady starts opening up. I didn't even, (laughs) I didn't even invite her to, but she started opening up. That's interesting. I tried that too. Like, I went plant-based for a little bit because of my diabetes, et cetera, et cetera. I'm like, oh, interesting. You know, I'm still nodding my head, like watching every move of the pizza makers. <laughs> over. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, that's it, yeah. Anyways, it was interesting. Um, but I walked away from Papa Murphy's, not even like, like once they said, here's your pizza. Like I walked out, I, I said, you know, I didn't even minister to this lady. I didn't have the availability, right? The open time. I don't know if this has ever happened to you where you see someone in need or you recognize that there's a need. Or the need doesn't even cross your radar because of the lack of margin in your life. There's no white space to be flexible and say, you know what? Let me love right here. Man, that was a missed opportunity. Philip didn't miss the opportunity. He had an open connection with God. He had open time for God. But what else? What else? He had open ears and open eyes. In Papa Murphy's, my, my ear was not really open to this lady, but my eyes were very open to the pizza guys. You know, this was a situation where um, I I feel very sheepish. And so (laughs) if you can use me as a negative illustration, that's great. But here's Philip. who's an amazing illustration, amazing example. Look at what happens. Acts chapter 8, verse 30. We're back there. It says, so Philip ran to him, right? The spirit says, go near, overtake this chariot. Philip runs. He doesn't hesitate. He's available to God. And notice what it says next. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah. In other words, Philip was observant. Mm-hmm. He didn't just say, okay, God's going God's to send me to preach the gospel. Let me jump right into this guy's front seat and let me tell him how it is. No. You know what he did first? He obeyed and then he listened. And he watched. Sometimes we think that if God sends us on mission, that I've got this set agenda with this person before I even have any idea of what they need or want. Philip listened. He paid attention. And I think this is something that we need to relearn. I don't know how many of you uh, experience this in public places, college campuses, school campuses, outlet malls, grocery stores. You pass by a lot of people. Maybe the airport or whatever. I don't know. You pass by a lot of people, but then you've gotten into this habit of, like, not looking at people. Has anybody ever noticed that? Um, yeah, yeah. It's like, it's almost out of a, a politically correct desire to not invade someone's space. Like, I don't want to take notice of you if you don't want to be noticed. And so I'm just going to kind of, like, you know, <laughs> no smile, no nod. You're walking in the same aisle at the grocery store. No, no acknowledgement of anything. It's, you know, maybe it's polite. I, you know, I, I, sometimes I tell my kids, guys, it's rude to stare. You know, stop staring at people and stuff like that. But, um, but I think this habit, it results in ignoring precious souls that Jesus died for. These are potential neighbors in heaven. And then I, I, I'm acting as if they don't even exist. man. But the Bible is careful to note, I mean, you look at the Gospels, and you look how Jesus interacted with people. There are times where it says specifically that Jesus saw him. Like in in John chapter 5, when he walks up to the pool of Bethesda, and there's a ton of people waiting for the waters to be moved so that they can jump into the pool. It says that Jesus saw this man who had been lame for 38 years. He looked at him. Peter and John in Acts chapter 3, when they're coming up to the temple for the time of prayer, they don't just pass by the guy that's asking for alms. It says that Peter looked on him. I think we need to cultivate the habit of actually looking at people without being rude, (laughs) right? Without smothering people with attention, but paying attention, simply opening our ears. What are they listening to? What are they reading? What are they talking about? Not, not like you're eavesdropping and getting in everybody's business. No, but you're paying attention to people. What kind of shirt? Is it a Bronco shirt or is it a Philadelphia Eagles shirt? Yeah. <laughs> you're paying attention. You're kind of observing what's important to somebody by simply looking, by simply listening. Philip had open ears. He opened his eyes. And I think it's something that we can recapture today. All right, so he had an open connection with God. He had open time for God. He had open ears and open eyes. But here's what we see next in this story. Philip had open questions. This is awesome. Philip had open questions. Okay, here we are. So verse 30 again. We're just kind of breaking down this verse alone. So Philip ran to him. That's the open time. He heard him reading the prophet Isaiah. That's the open ears. And he said, let me tell you about the 2300 day prophecy. No. Ah! What did he do? He asked a question. Hey, brother, do you understand the things that you're reading? Somehow or another, I mean, like, it doesn't say exactly that, you know, verse 27 tells us, okay, this was the person in charge of Candace, the queen's treasury. I don't know if there was something on his chariot that said so, if he had a bumper sticker or whatever. But these are things that I'm sure Philip was observing along the way. And so he is saying, man, this guy, he's he's headed south. He's headed away from Jerusalem. It looks like he's just been in Jerusalem. He's using all these things, his openness, to conjure up a question before he launches into his own spiel. Right? It's very simple. Philip expressed a genuine interest. You might even call this, not just open questions, open interest. He was wanting to know, hey, what's this guy's experience? What's his story? Philip ex- expressed a genuine interest and desire to engage this person through a simple And I would say sincere question. A sincere question. He wasn't trying to like uh, kind of talk him down. Hey man, do you understand that? You know, he wasn't trying to kind of put things in, in an off color. No, this is one of the easiest ways to communicate with people. To simply ask a question. If you've ever thought to yourself, man, I feel the desire to engage this person in conversation, but I have no idea what to say. This happened just the other day at the park. Uh, we, we had the boys out. It was a nice windy day, but it was very sunny. Yeah, you remember? <laughs> He's all excited because we were playing football. And it's one of his favorite things right now. <clears throat> and he was playing, Jaden was playing by himself, actually, while we were finishing our lunch. He was kind of throwing the ball up, throwing the ball down, throwing the ball up, throwing the ball down. And there was another three-year-old, uh, just kind of across the park, and he actually wanted to play with Jaden. So he started playing. His mom kind of gravitated over to where they were playing. And uh, we ended up talking. I had in my heart, in my mind, like, man, maybe I should talk to her. But it's, it's one of those moments where like, what do I say? What do I say? What do I say? And you know what I said? How old is your little guy? That's it. <laughs> and from that conversation, or sorry, from that door opener, she started asking questions later on, about five, ten minutes later, as the boys were just tiring themselves out. She started asking, hey, so what brought you out here to Colorado? Um, Oh, moved for for work, actually. Oh, what kind of work? And for me as a pastor, it's either a door closer or a door opener. (laughs) Uh Um, I said, you know, actually, our family was invited to help start a church in Castle Rock. And she said, oh, that's awesome. And that just went into a ton of different directions. What kind of church? Seventh-day Adventist. Oh, that's interesting. I grew up Catholic and things like that. And she started talking, going back and forth. Anyways, if we ever see... Diana and Will here at church, she told me that they'd show up sometime. So here's the thing. It starts with a simple question. You have no idea where the Holy Spirit's going to take that. And we, we continue to pray for Will and Deanna. But uh, here's the point. It starts with simply taking interest in people. And this is one of the easiest ways to communicate with people because it invites interaction. It puts attention on them and not you. And it actually shows genuine love genuine interest. It's not like, I've got an agenda, please listen to me. No. Let me give you an audience. Let me give you an audience. You know what? Love begets love. (laughs) Interest eventually begets interest. Trust begets trust. And you know what happens in verse 31? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he asked Philip, Philip, to come up and sit with him. Do you notice the movement towards each other that happens as a simple result of asking a question? There's movement towards, there's a drawing together. And this is, this, I think Philip just kind of picked up his cues from Jesus. Jesus often asked questions at very timely times. Mark chapter 8. So, Peter, James, John, the disciples, who do, you, who do men say that I am? <laughs> Actually, it starts with, with God in the Garden of Eden. When he's when he's got his children who are far from him, what does he do? He runs after them and he castigates them. He runs at them and scolds them. No, 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 no. You know what he does? He walks, and he says, "Where are you?" It was a simple question. He kind of reoriented the conversation and said, "No, no, no. no. I'm taking interest in you. It's an invitation to take interest in me too." Simple question. Simple question. Simple and sincere. It's not about an interrogation. These are door openers. And you know what? If This isn't a question, but it's three words that I think we all ought to memorize. <clears throat> and it's a phrase. It's very simple. It says, tell me more. Tell me more. I just read an article this week that tell me more, that phrase, is something that, that young people long to hear. <laughs> and not just young. I would say every generation, every individual. Like when, when you say, hey, how's it going? Fine. That is so common, right? But what would happen if someone said, hey, tell me more. <laughs> or you know, maybe the, the common response is, hmm, I'm doing okay. Hey, tell me more about that. You sounded like you were a little hesitant. You know? It's a door opener. It gives people a chance to say, wait, this person doesn't just wanna exchange greetings. This person is actually interested. Tell me more, tell me more. Okay, so open connection, open time, open ears and eyes, open questions, and then finally, an open mouth. I love the fact that Philip, he didn't have an open mouth until all these other things were in place, right? I think a lot of times when we talk about being open to God's mission, we think, oh, what do I say, (laughs) you know? It's not about that, at least at first. But Philip was willing, when the time was right, to open up his mouth wide so that God could fill it. He filled it for Philip I like that. Anyways, he, he filled it. So Philip was filled with the willingness to share about Jesus. And here it is. It was unscripted. It was unedited. Philip simply opened his mouth. So what did he say? Let's take a look. Verse 32. The place in the scripture, now giving a little bit of backstory. The place in the scripture which he read, the Ethiopian was reading. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, his justice was taken away. And who will declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. Do you realize that this eunuch had access to an Old Testament prophet? Yeah, we, we already heard it. We already saw it in verse 28, that he was reading from Isaiah the prophet. But specifically, do you know where this chapter is in Isaiah? This is Isaiah chapter 53. Earlier in that chapter, it says, He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. By his stripes, we are healed. That's a great place to be reading in the book of Isaiah. (laughs) And here's what the eunuch says, verse 34. So the eunuch answered Philip and said, I ask you, Of whom does the prophet say this? Of himself or some other man? Verse 35. Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning where? Beginning at that very passage. My Bible says, beginning at this scripture, preached Jesus to him. I love it. (laughs) We don't hear, I mean, there's no quotation of what went out of Philip's mouth. But the simple summary is that when he opened his mouth, do you know what the eunuch heard? The eunuch didn't hear details. The eunuch didn't hear a whole bunch of uh, simple or practical principles to put you know, in, in, into practice the very next day. You know what he heard? He heard Jesus. When we open our mouths wide, when we want to be wide open to the mission of God, I think there's something beautiful. at Starting right where that person was, and preaching Jesus. Amen. If you're wondering, how do I open my mouth? First, just take it from Philip. He did it in context. Like he started right where the, the eunuch was. He didn't say, "Well, let me show you another passage." Actually, this is a better one to read. No, he started right where his interest was, and he moved from there. He started right where, and that's something that we can do. Someone's talking about football. Uh, let me tell you about um, a, a different kind of, of battlefield. You know, no, no, he. He started right where the interest was, and then where did he go? He went towards the cross. So he did it in context, and then he went cross-country, so to speak. Okay? Those are the two things. When you're wanting to open your mouth wide for God's mission, do it in context. Start with, you know, the immediate conversation and the immediate interest. Start with what people are already thinking about, what they're already dealing with, and then head straight for the cross. Head straight for the cross. We ought to be Christ-centered, cross-eyed in our sharing and telling about what Jesus has done for us personally. Um, the other day, there was someone actually who, who came to visit uh, her husband here at the hospital, saw the sign out front, <clears throat> and, and came up to worship with us. And she asked, "I've never, I've never really heard of Seventh Day Adventists and stuff, but uh, you know, what, what's the difference between Seventh Day Adventists and most, you know, most faiths and stuff like that?" And I could, have, I could have gone a lot of different directions with that. I don't know if you've ever had that question, right? I could have gone a lot of different directions. I could have went the direction of the Papa Murphy's conversation and say, oh, yeah, it was, uh, it's about we're, we don't eat meat, we don't, you know, well, but I didn't. And I tried to keep it simple because, you know, the dynamics were such that I probably only had about 30 seconds. And I say, well, with the name Seventh-day Adventist, some beautiful things there that really are important to us. One, the Seventh-day Sabbath. And I didn't go on to say it's the right day versus the wrong day. What I said is that there is a God who created us. And he loves us so much that he actually created not just things, but time for relationship with us. And that Adventist, it points to the fact that really, we just want Jesus to come home. And come and take us home, I should say. And so when we're talking about things to share, let it always be in reference to your relationship with Jesus. Someone's asking you a question about why you eat this and why you don't eat that. Let it always be in reference. Well, your response, let that response always be in reference to Jesus. Someone's asking you a question, well, you look a little different. You know, uh, you know on Saturdays, I notice that you're not available and stuff. Let your response be, well, that's, you know, I have to go to church that day. <laughs> it's, not, it's not about what you have to do and what you don't get to do and things like that. There's a God who loves me. And I want to love him back by honoring his day. Anyways, this is what Philip did. He opened his mouth, and what did the eunuch hear? He heard Jesus. He heard Jesus. It's beautiful. He did it in context, and he headed towards the cross. So we can be witnesses, not just of ideas. We can be witnesses to me, right? Acts chapter 1, verse 8. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you to be witnesses to me. To be witnesses to me. We can witness of Jesus. The rest of the story is so powerful. In uh, in Acts chapter 8, the story continues. Verse 36. Now as they went down the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, see, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? Then Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, "I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God." So he commanded the chariot to stand still, and both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and he baptized him. That's awesome. When we are open wide to the mission of God, when we have an open connection, when we have open time, when we have open ears, when we have open questions, when we have an open mouth, God will use your openness to lead people a full surrender to jesus i don't know do you imagine a smile on your on philip's face as he's like in the water with with this eunuch or do you picture him like looking at his calendar saying man i need to be somewhere else right now no no no, no. this is totally philip saying man this is the greatest thing i could ever do with my time and what's really awesome is the very next verse in verse thirty-nine. Now when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away so that the eunuch saw him no more. And he went on his way rejoicing, but Philip was found at Azotus. And passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. Philip was picked up to do it all over again. It was awesome. Why? Because his life was wide open to mission. Friends, the simple appeal is this. If you want a strength-to-strength journey, open up your lives wide to the mission God has for you it may not be preaching in front of thousands it may be simply being open to one and this is this is uh, this example of Philip i think God wants to repeat this story in your life and in my life and not just once or twice obviously for philip he was picked up placed in somewhere else to do it all over again I believe God wants to repeat this story day in, day out. Simple question is, will we open up our, our lives wide to God's mission 24-7? God's inviting us to open, our, our, open wide our lives to him so he can give to us and give through us like he did in Acts chapter 8. It's an invitation to each of us, not just those of us who are uh, sitting on our advisory council, not just our Sabbath school teachers, not just uh, those who preach or whatever. It's an invitation to all of us. So, will you? Will you open your life wide to the mission that God has for you? Will you open your life wide to the mission that God has for you? I believe there are people that God has uniquely wired you to impact, that those around you could never impact in the same way. God has uniquely wired you, God has uniquely positioned you, and he will uniquely use you if you let him. Why wouldn't we let him? Man, it's, I tell you, it's the biggest rush imaginable to watch someone you love, watch someone that you've invested in, make a decision to give their lives to Jesus Christ and live only for Him. Man, there's the biggest rush imaginable. Could God use us to lead one to a saving faith in Him? I believe so. Why wouldn't He be able to use us, right? The promise is already there. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You will. You will. And it starts, it starts with seeking an open connection with God, open, making our time open to him, opening our ears to other people, our eyes to other people, opening our questions to actually take interest in people, and then opening our mouths in context and heading towards the cross so that we can preach Jesus to people. And so here's the specific take-home challenge, should you choose to accept it. If you long for a strength to strength journey, how many? Of you, let me just ask, ask you that first question. How many of you long for a strength to strength journey with Jesus? Yeah, none of us wants a flatline, stagnant, declining, plateauing, whatever. We all want a strength to strength journey. And so, if that's your desire, I would. Here's a specific take-home challenge for the next two weeks. Make it a daily prayer. Lord, use me to have saving impact on someone today. It's a simple prayer. Yeah. Use me today to have a saving impact on someone. And maybe instead of someone, you actually want to put someone there. All right? Maybe there's a co-worker that you have in mind. Lord, use me today to have a saving impact on this particular friend of mine, on that particular neighbor, on this particular family member. What do you think? How many of you want to accept that challenge and say, yeah, for the next two weeks, I'll pray that prayer might be a dangerous prayer, but I'll pray that prayer, yeah? And maybe some of us are in the shoes of the Ethiopian. Maybe some of us actually need to respond to the story of Jesus and hear Jesus' story all over again and say, you know what, man, there's water. What prevents me from being baptized? You know, maybe there's someone who's saying, yeah, I want to surrender. I want to surrender again. What's your, what's your story? If that's you, why wait? Uh, I don't see water around here right now, but, but there's a rec center I know of. We could get right there. Yeah. there's a there's a great lake at Glacier View Ranch that we've experienced before. You know, we can we can find water. We can, yeah. And there was a moose in there too. Yeah. Anyways, here's a simple appeal. Let's let's pray that you and I, individually, but also as a church, would be wide open to the mission of God. I believe that there are souls who have nameless longings, inexpressible cravings. They have no idea where to go for those things. They have no idea who to turn to for those things. But God wants to position you and I to be the messengers of mercy. All right, let's pray together. Father in heaven, I thank you that you have given us a knowledge of Jesus. And not just head knowledge that says, oh, he did this for me back then. No, but an experience with Jesus. Lord, that is so precious. And I think that day by day, There's a tendency to grow familiar with that, that it's something that we can easily take for granted. But Lord, this is so precious that we ought to be able to share it with others. And Father, if it's true that the universe of heaven is doing more than we can even imagine to prepare people for conversion, if it's true that you're, you're stirring people's hearts with a nameless longing and an inexpressible craving, then God, we want to be able to be people who can put names to those longings and give directions to where they can find their cravings satisfied. Oh, Father, we're opening up our lives wide to you today. There are people, names specifically, that we want to be used by you to reach and to bless, to secure their, their eternity with you. And so today, right now, wherever they may be, those precious friends of ours, those precious family members of ours, God, Would you please pour out a special blessing on their lives right now? For those who are going to make time to be part of the afternoon outreach this afternoon, the training and actually going out into the neighborhood, uh, Lord, I pray that you would just prepare the way. You've already done it, apparently. And so, Lord, give us divine appointments. Give us that that ear that hears you saying, go and overtake this house. Go and overtake that neighbor. Um, Lord, please, send us on mission. We're opening up our lives wide. In Jesus' name we pray. Let everyone say, Amen. Amen.